Geek News Reviews, Commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary Big Ball Podcast. It's true. All of it. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, the final episode. What? Did I just, like, blow the headline there? Yeah. Well, welcome. Hi, this is Kyle Hebert coming at you from the West Coast. I am an anime and video game voice actor. Hey, Joe, co-host on the East Coast of the World, Steve. And I'm already properly lubed for this episode. Hopefully everyone out there is. uh, All of our um, handful of very loyal and uh, God, we love you guys. Thank you for, for tweeting at us at BB Broadcast and sending us BigBallBroadcast at gmail.com and TheBigBallBroadcast at gmail.com and Facebook.com slash BigBallBroadcast. We really do appreciate everyone uh, coming together right now over us, just like the Beatles tune. Um, If you're just listening to this feed and you're just like, I don't know, I didn't catch the last one. What the fuck's going on? I just want to hear my geek news. Um, Well, uh, Kevin Smith's uh, podcast network has done some restructuring, let's say. Smodco Internet Radio is not not really an active feed anymore. And um, so, unfortunately, uh, we lost our big big chance to have big mainstream exposure. Um, So... While uh, the plights of, of of some of our loyal listeners are to say, hey, you know, who cares where you end up? We just want you to keep going. We really appreciate that. But um, I got to be honest, I'm, I, I was pretty spoiled by this thought. And Steve, feel free to add or, or whatever that uh, it was pretty awesome being part of Kevin Smith's network. And having that level of exposure, even though our podcast weren't in the you know millions of downloads range, but they were higher than our first incarnation from 2005 to 2010. I would kind of liken it to being on a TV show and then kind of like playing your local playhouse or like in a Big Bang Theory, you know, doing a play above a bowling alley. Um, it's not that we don't appreciate the opportunity to continue to do it, but it was kind of nice to have... Uh, like you said, the exposure, at least that outlet. And it wouldn't say it's entirely out of the realm of possibility that if one day, if, if something relatively decent-sized network approached us and asked us to be a part of it, we'd probably go along with it. But to go it strictly on our own, it just doesn't seem feasible at this point in time. Right, and we, and we do thank uh, folks like Will Wilkins and, of course, Kevin Smith's people at Smodco and Smodcast.com that, that still, if you click on the additional archives uh you can find all of our episodes still uh listed there and uh will was nice enough to say if if you guys want to continue you know pumping out the feed or whatever well you know you could certainly do that and everything and it's like well you know i'm not so sure about this but i mean the timing of it worked out to where we knew that if we were gonna go we could go out with something that meant a lot to both of us And, and if anyone who's listened to all 48.5 episodes of of the Big Ball broadcast know that we can't shut the fuck up about Star Wars. And we finally, in, two, in 2015, in December, uh, got a brand new Star Wars movie. And that's what we're going to talk about exclusively today uh, on, on what we've decided for now is our final episode, our swan song, as it were. How many times have you seen Force Awakens, Steve, to this point? I've seen it four times. Oh, you beat me. What the fuck, dude? All right. I, I've seen it three times. First time uh, in 2D. No no fancy schmancy extra added anything. Uh, the second time in regular 3D. And then the third time in IMAX 3D, which by far was the presentation to beat. That, that just was just jaw-dropping. Regardless, not speaking to content of the movie, just in terms of presentation, sight and sound, that is the way to watch this movie. I saw it uh, twice, 2D, in the theater. Then I saw it on somebody's computer screen once. And then I went back and saw it in the theater a third time. Have you noticed that all the animated GIFs are, are probably sourced from that, that one little, <laughs> that one version of the, of the bootleg that, that someone has just pointed, I guess? I mean, it's decent quality, but it's, you can tell it's not professional. It's not something... Um, I think you would watch for a first time of seeing this film. I wouldn't ad- advocate for that. And it's not something to, I don't know. 
I guess what I'm saying is I, I look at it kind of more of a, as a point of reference to clarify some lingering questions I have. Oh, yeah, I can, you know, have my friend here go back and show me that scene and then I, I can be clear about that. I mean, are we at the point where we have to say spoilers? Because I think I think we're beyond that. I mean, I've seen people on my Facebook feed saying, fuck you for spoiling Star Wars. I haven't seen it yet. So fuck all of you. And, and people in the comments are like, what? What the fuck's wrong with you? How did you not see this yet? It's like, I've been busy. It's like, all right, I get that. I mean, maybe the first two weeks, I don't know what the spoiler rule of thumb is for movies versus TV shows versus books or whatnot. But yeah, I think it's a month later, man. It's, it's by, by the time the world hears this episode, it will have been well into a month that the movie has been unleashed upon the world, making, you know, record box office numbers. Everyone has has made, you know, theories and, and, and conjecture and blog posts and, of course, animated GIFs and, and parody Twitter accounts. Emo Kylo Ren, we love it. So I have to ask, uh, because it kind of goes hand in hand with both of those things. The one thing that I did have my friend go back and show me on his computer screen, because I wasn't quite sure watching it on the big screen, but Kylo Ren's lightsaber was destroyed by Rey. Before she got him across the face, she cut his saber. So my question is, and I need to turn this specifically to you, how do people feel who went out and bought this Kylo Ren lightsaber replica um, for The Force Awakens, and that's going to be the only appearance of the saber in the films? Well, what I want to know is, you know, could he, in fact, just make more? I mean, it's like eating... uh, Fritos or Doritos, right? Or Lay's potato chips. He can't eat just one. Don't worry. You know, we'll make more. Now I'm crossing ad campaigns. Hey, maybe he's going to come back with a bigger, better, you know, sword or a light sword, lightsaber or mask or or whatnot. There's an opportunity here. There's a big theory, uh, as you just stated, that he's also going to come back with a different mask because it doesn't look like he retrieved it from that bridge uh, prior to pursuing Finn and Ray. So he may be without his mask and without his uh, lightsaber. So who knows what's going to happen going forward? Is he going to look more like Darth Vader in his next iteration? Right, because, yeah, the the stuff leading up into the, the movie's release was like, he's not a Sith. And then you watch the movie and you're like, okay, well, it's his granddad. Um, I don't know if that stuff's hereditary, if you want to include the whole midichlorian art, you know, argument or not. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I remember seeing the almost the almost instant backlash within days of it coming out going oh emo kylo ren's such a bitch and he's a whiny little brat and this that and the other and then you see the 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 people coming back with like legitimate shit going hey don't judge a book by its cover this dude uh just kind of winced and fell down instead of being blown back the way the stormtroopers would with chewie's bowcaster i mean come on i mean the dude got slashed across the face and he's still alive. He's still good. I mean, so is Finn. But yeah, he's still there. He's in, the, you know, the, the, the command that he had over the force, you know, the force choke, the force powers, the this, that, and the other, and all that stuff. You know, it, it's too easy to just brush him off as a, as a whiny brat instead of, you know, oh, a one-dimensional bad guy who's just evil just because. What was great about his character development was having him freeze that, that um laser blast at the beginning of the film and hold it in place during his whole interrogation and then lets it go before he he goes back on his shuttle that's something we have not seen with the force before and that was to me anyway a really big like oh shit moment we're not dealing with your average run-of-the-mill you know darth douchebag the uh the the way that his voice is transformed with the mask on i really really like it doesn't sound like it's dubbed in it uh, sounds like, I mean, obviously it's, it's a movie, so yeah, you're tweaking it in Pro Tools and doing all these filters and whatnot, but I thought it sounded really authentic. It sounded like a battle combat radio chatter type uh, frequency that he was on. I really, really appreciated that about it. And uh, yeah, yeah, you see, you see him doing shit like, yeah, holding the the uh, the the bolt from uh, Poe's gun just midair like that. It blows him away, and then, you know, Poe immediately... Uh, so, so is it my turn to talk? And you know, I love that shit. I mean, he instantly just glues himself to the audience and everyone just embraces how awesome this character right from the beginning. Now, I want to say before we go too far in, um, for me anyway, it's, it's not all puppy dogs and rainbows and unicorn shit. Of course not. Uh, 
<laughs> You're yeah. other world, Steve. But I have to say this: it for me, it got better upon multiple viewings. When I left the theater the first time, I don't even think I had made it to my car as I was walking across the parking lot, and I sent you a text, and I was like, "Meh." But the more I saw it, I I, I need to say this, and I, I need to make this very clear: um, Daisy Ridley as Ray is, in my opinion, probably not only the best Star Wars character we've ever seen in a Star Wars movie, but somebody I am just so in love with. And I need to clarify that that has nothing to do with anything even remotely sexual. I just think she is so awesome in this film. And the way she emotes and just the way she she has facial interactions with um, Kylo Ren I think that says more than the dialogue she has to say sometimes. She is so kick-ass, and I hope she continues down that path. I hope they don't water her down or do something really stupid with her because uh, this is what we need in this day and age. We always talk about all these lacking strong female characters and everything, and to me it's not even about what sex she is. She she just did a phenomenal job of this film. Right. You have you have this situation where, yeah, you have Lawrence Kasdan come on and, and you know, from and from Empire and and from Raiders and have this great uh, pedigree of, of classic genre films. And he, and he comes on here working with JJ Abrams. Obviously you get a brand new cast that uh, Oscar Isaac's been around. He's, he's been doing movies for, for years, but uh, Daisy Ridley, this is basically her first gig. She's like 23 and whatnot. And John Boyega, he was on attack the block a few years back, a movie that was good, but man, I had to watch with the subtitles on because of his uh, thick uh, UK accent and everything, but he does—he does like a pitch-perfect American clean accent in this movie, and I, I just I'm and just blown away by yeah, n- not only the quality and caliber of of the of the writing, but everything that that the new cast members brought to it. Um, uh, Finn is instantly uh, likable, I think, as well, and Poe, and you know, I love seeing uh, Max von Sydow, Lore Santeca, right at the beginning. They don't even say his name, but we know it from the lore. We know that you know all the all the the making of books and this that and the other that this character it's like so pivotal so 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 grounded and everything i wanted to see so much more of him and you know and he's gone so hopefully in episode 8 maybe we'll see some more flashbacks or something and and see such a such a powerful and revered um force of good <laughs> pardon the pun and i i certainly don't want to diminish uh, boyega either my problem is Unfortunately, his character's really developed outside of the movie. There's a novel that really goes into some explicit detail about what it's like being a stormtrooper of the First Order, and he was part of a four-man unit uh, overseen by Phasma and all this stuff. That stuff was really critical because the trooper he goes up against that has that baton-like thing that's um, lightsaber-resistant, that's one of his four-man crew. This is somebody he's been with his whole you know, conscious life, and when he calls him a traitor, that's really, you know, the impact, that, that gut punch, that, oh, my God, you, you turned against us, and now I have to fight you. Um, I think it would have been important to know that going into that as opposed to having to find it out through the different types of lore. So while I did certainly love Finn, I think there could have been a lot more depth to his character that explains some of what he's going through. I know you're going to kind of roll your eyes here, but I'm going to bring back the Firefly uh, contingent here. Uh, if you watch Serenity, just of itself, it's a really solid, fun movie. You fall in love with the characters. But if you saw the Firefly series before Serenity, you will have a much richer experience. And that seems what what came to mind when multiple people talk about the uh, the, the, the lead-in novels, the tie-in stuff about Ray's childhood, about Finn's early uh, days, you know, FN, it's like, ha, oh, FN, ha, oh, he's FN2187, he's pretty effing cool. Yeah, all that stuff. I mean, is it necessary to the story? No, but it does make you appreciate it all the more. And I think everyone who said that, if you, especially if you if you read that material and go watch the movie again, it'll, 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 it will flesh things out in a way that is really, really satisfying, of course. And, you know, you had Ad- Abrams come forward and say that, yeah, they, they chopped about a good half hour out of the movie. And there's, there's scenes that have been documented saying, you know, hey, this would have been nice if it were left in and this, that and the other. And there's shots in the trailer that aren't in the final film and, and this, that and the other. And we're going to get that on the Blu-ray, of course, but it's not going to be edited back into the movie. So there's no director's cut. The theatrical cut is the one we're going to get. 
And I can understand that that dynamic and the, and the, and that balance. There's people that are always going to want more, just a little bit more. But you can't have too much of a good thing, and and you know things affect pacing and and all that. And you know I I think this movie did a really really good job in balancing out what was absolutely necessary, taking that step back and 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 looking with 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 great love into the past with the nostalgia and the nods to the original trilogy. I think it's way too too simplistic for people to just you know just just toss it away as oh it's an episode 4 clone. It's 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 too much it's just it's just a new hope all over again. I think it's so much richer than that. In a sense it is, but that I think still it, that remains one of the things that kind of ruffles my feathers with the film is there's a way to pay homage to things, but there's, you know, I, I felt like a seal just getting clubbed over the head repeatedly um, because the beats were not just similar, but parallels. And Starkiller base, I think, was absolutely unnecessary. You could have had them assaulting another base or something, but, you know... You, the, the the film poked fun at itself because of that towards the end when they're looking at the holograms of this is the first Death Star and the second Death Star and this is entirely different and it's the same. You even gave Poe a fucking trench run before taking this thing out. Which, by the way, makes you feel like the ride is a movie when you watch it in 3D. <laughs> it's so cool. It's cool, but it's, you know, yeah, you get to see uh, a female X-Wing pilot for the first time too, so props for that. But... It was just it was too on the nose. I, I think they could have still paid homage, but brought us something different. Abrams also says that, you know, you had to go back to move forward. And that's why I appreciate the balance of, yeah, you're going to hook people for the nostalgia factor and smoothly transition to these new characters, which you're going to see them develop. And, you know, I, I think there's that balance. So, you know, yeah, you get to, great to see Han and Leia again and luke for five seconds but whatever and toys no matter how passionate of a star wars fan you are and, and how much history you have with star wars it still boils down to toys and i read a really great article last night that talked about the impact of the force awakens toys being on the market and how it has literally revived the toy industry the the force friday early sale of uh figures and other associated merchandise brought in just about what the film brought in opening weekend for toys and uh, that's pretty fucking impressive. Sometimes I forget that. You know, I saw episode four when it came out in, in 1977. I was five years old. So I've spent my whole life with Star Wars. And it's hard for me to take that step back. But I have to look, look at my kids and say, for them, this is their first real introduction to Star Wars. This is their first movie since they've been alive that's out theatrically. So you kind of have to take that step back and, and understand kind of who it's for. And what's really sad is... I think it was Kennedy from Lucasfilm who, who, who made this comment. We're not going to be alive to see the last Star Wars movie. And that's just what Disney plans on doing. They're going to keep cranking out Star Wars. So that's kind of the, the in-your-face example that we're going to continue to introduce this to new generations. And it really doesn't matter what you old crotchety fucks think about it. I mean, you could say, oh, yeah, this one's too much like the original. George, for better or worse, took prequels and made them look completely different. You could say, wow, that's an imagination run amok and, and everything. And, and as, as wildly creative as it is, it, it suffers, you know, uh, story-wise, character-wise, and, and the beats and everything and all that. So Disney purchases Lucasfilm and they say, all right, we're not going to do that again. We need to give them that sense of, uh, you know, make a more direct sequel to Return of the Jedi. And we'll just kind of brush over one, two, and three. You know, something that happens with the Supreme Leader Snoke, which all this conjecture about who he is and everything, and, and I think it would be fascinating and a cool tie-in to the prequel if it turned out to be Darth Plagueis. Andy Serkis and, and Lawrence Kasdan go, no, Snoke is Snoke. There, there is, there's, no, there's no hidden, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain sort of thing going on there. Because they've never lied to us before. No, never. J.J. Abrams, never. No, but I mean, he's not handling the next one. Ryan Johnson is. There's that. And then I heard a, another uh, podcast where a friend of mine was reviewing Force Awakens and talking about a possibility of it being something from the Clone Wars. What uh, They had like the father and the son. I guess the son was someone that looks like Snoke. Some people saying he could be an Inquisitor, which are, of course, uh, also in Rebels. Um, don't know. And, and therein brings my next uh, unfortunate issue with this film is too much shit was left unresolved. Way too much shit. And yeah, you can give me the argument that, well, you know, they're going to answer it in the next couple of films. 
the first trilogy didn't leave you with this much suspense. It, it was never this fucked. There are, so we don't know who Ray is. We don't know the fate of Finn. We don't know the fate of Kylo Ren. We know he's alive, but we don't know what changes are going to happen. We don't know the fate of the Resistance with um, all these planets being destroyed. It, it's it's way too much. To, you know, one or two loose ends, fine. Fifteen loose ends at the end of the film, go eat a bag of dicks. That's a great. That's a great summation there. I mean, I remember seeing in 1980 the end of Empire. And everyone just goes, ah, because we had to wait three years for Return of the Jedi. This one, we're waiting two years, and we're going to get Rogue One in between. But still, yeah, I know, I know the, the feeling. It's like, okay, that's a little bit much. Why couldn't we have just a couple of things, not everything? Uh, it, t- it ties back into the, the lead-in stuff about Rey, right? I mean, you say that, oh, she's a Mary Sue. She's just this perfect character that is never any danger. There's never any stakes. She's just perfect at flying and perfect at wielding a sword, lightsaber, and everything's great. It's like, well, no, she grew up that way with the lead-in material, from what I understand, is that, yeah, she she just had a a, a penchant for, for understanding mechanics. Yeah, and, and that's another thing, unfortunately, that's not explained in the movie, but... One big fact about her, you find out with all this uh, outside the movie shit, is she learned early on she made a lot more in rations by giving him parts that worked. So she learned very quickly how to repair parts in order to get the most bang for her buck. And she also put together a flight simulator inside her AT-AT, so she knows how to fly via this uh, simulator. That's kind of what bothers me, the guys that are, are doing the script for episode nine are talking about that that is probably going to be the film where you find out about ray's origins so i'm like fuck we still have to go through another film really knowing you know jack nothing about ray but don't worry they'll throw 30 other plates at you (laughs) we're spinning them all we're spinning them all i mean one of my criticisms is i think poe dameron is such a great character and i i think he needed to be in the film more i can wait to see more poe you know that doesn't bother me (laughs) yeah give me a whole freaking movie about him i you know he's just he's just relaxed and Oscar Isaac just is just this great. I can't say enough positive stuff about it. Just like I can, you know, Finn. It was just really, really, uh, really cool to see uh, that dynamic as well. You know, the the banter back and forth between Ray and him. It's like, stop touching my hand. Would you stop touching me? Are you okay? Why do you keep asking if I'm okay? Rapid fire thing that harkened back to the old trilogy too. And to me, it didn't feel campy. It felt genuine. You know, sappy other world. Steve. I think the most emotional part in the whole movie is when she gives him that tender kiss while he's unconscious in the medical bay and you know she like thanks him for everything and then help her out she and she bends over and gives him a kiss that that was really powerful like that again show that side that there's not that camp factor the original trilogy brought trilogy brought the, the intent unintentional camp that the prequels brought from acting in front of all this blue screen now, one thing I want to talk to you about, because you saw it in multiple formats, there was a lot of talk before the film came out about how practical everything was going to be. We're going back to the roots, everything's going to be practical. And I was kind of surprised. A few days ago, uh, um, an FX reel came out for Force Awakens, and I recommend everybody go check that out. It's amazing. There was a lot more digital in the film than you probably think. But even the digital was handled really well. The two things that stood out just very in my face as being computer generated and pulled me out at that moment, particularly my first time watching the film. It it truly did pull me out was um, the creatures Han was smuggling. And unfortunately I'm going to go there. Maz Katana. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maz. uh, Yeah. That that kind of reeked. I was like, this is a CG character. Now I like her as a character. I think uh, uh, Lupita Nyong'o is uh made uh really brought that performance out and i I was genuinely um into her character a lot more than i was i mean she was kind of like a yoda like character but she said i'm no jedi and all that stuff but i really really like uh what she brought to that performance um it was fun with the with the the eyeglass stuff and but snoke even though he was basically a hologram you you think for a minute wow he sure is huge but wait he's a hologram how big is he in real life i guess we'll hopefully see next time but yeah that was one of those things where they couldn't just do this practical i mean for as much as they did with you know everything else in maz's castle why not go ahead and make snoke and and in maz you know just full prosthetic or or whatever that was like immediately a big question that jumped out across social media uh particularly in regards to snoke because everybody was saying 
I didn't see anything with Snoke that you couldn't have done practically. Yeah, I mean, other than it's like, hey, let's get Andy Circus and let's put a bunch of dots on his forehead and have him act in a in an in isolated booth or whatever. It might as well have been Andy Circus wearing the costume. Why the fuck not? You know, you had Simon Pegg be an uh, Uncar Plutt. You know, the guy that took Ray in. Right? If you read the, the the material, he's the one. You know, like one quarter portion. Blah, 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 blah. Some interesting cameos too. Uh, I've heard that it's Daniel Craig doing the voices. Well, it doesn't sound like him though. I didn't know Daniel Craig could do it in an American accent, but he's the stormtrooper that gets duped over with like the force, like you will release me from these bonds and you know leave your weapon on the floor and all that. Yep, man, I'm dropping my weapon. You know, Carrie Fisher's daughter. All sorts of people just like blinking, you miss. Even Carrie Fisher's daughter, you have to admit, was kind of on the nose because she had her hair in the the classic Leia buns. <laughs> I was like, ah, grown. <laughs> <laughs> my only other complaint with the the movie, and yeah, I admit I'm nitpicking. This is something. That's just probably my problem. The running joke with Han using Chewbacca's bowcaster drove me fucking nuts because I just kept screaming in my head, you've been with this dude for like at least 40 years and never once you've never fired his bowcaster. And now all of a sudden it's like the hip neat thing to do that, that got beat so much. I just, I was so fucking sick of that joke. And you're right about the, the, the wrath tars that, that did reek of uh, like, this is CG. It was like, it's just so goofy and everything. It played a little better for me the second and third time though. It didn't bug me as quite as much, but the first time I saw it, I thought, wow, this scene just sticks out like a sore thumb. It just seems like JJ Abrams uh, fetish with having tentacle like beast, like Cloverfield or the thing in the first Star Trek reboot, you know, chasing Kirk. And it's like, what is with these fucking creatures? Like, whoa, it's it's crazy, it's zany, it's huge, it's chasing us, whoa. And one thing nobody I've seen online talking about, um, but I counted at least 12 lens flares in The Force Awakens. Hey, if you saw Star Trek the reboot, then uh, that that's way fewer. <laughs> he held back. It wasn't just the one when the planets were getting destroyed. There, there's a lot, but... I admit they they were you know pretty subtle, especially considering that a lens flare is a complete anomaly. And things that filmmakers like Spielberg back in the day would be like, "We can't avoid it. It is what it is. That's what happens when light is hits a certain way." And and then we get into the digital age where everyone has smartphones and everything. And we want to make everything look old and retro, like, but we want HD and 4K. Like, no, 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 make it look old. I have to say that IMAX 3D, the presentation I saw was IMAX Laser, which is in a handful of theaters. It's like the newest IMAX. Uh, projection technology crystal clear and i gotta say the image is a lot brighter too a lot of people can can legitimately complain about 3d presentations being so fucking dark but um this one uh brings it up i will have to say the shot that looks like it's straight out of apocalypse now with tie fighters you know coming at you and with the sun the sunrise or the sundown you know sunsetting in the background really cool iconic shot couldn't see like some of the fumes from the from the engines emanating from the bottom in the 3D version that I did see in the 2D version. That's what makes the, the film scene over and over again because the first time, admittedly, you're just on such a rush that you're watching new Star Wars, a lot escapes you. And going back and being able to pick out those finer details, I, I'm not done. I, I haven't even scratched the surface. I can't wait to really see all the other shit that i missed did you feel like when when it came down to to han and ben slash kylo them talking about it did you foresee did you did you say oh my god we're gonna lose him this is this is where han's over did you actually did you you think for a minute that maybe something else would happen i think maybe in my very deep reaches of my subconscious i had that feeling something bad was about to go down but i think i was hoping against hope you know like Oh, no, it, it's Star Wars. They they wouldn't possibly do this. Harrison Ford's wanted this since, what, 83? <laughs> and knowing that, again, that's my problem. It's not anybody else's problem. But I felt very cheated. Um, I, I, again, I don't think there was enough setup emotionally to really care about the relationship between Han and Ben. And when Han died, it was like, okay, I, it, it was shocking, but it, it wasn't the gut punch I would expect from watching such an iconic character die. And then I think back to what he said, and he should have died in Jedi. I think if he died in Jedi, it would have meant something. That would have been his sacrifice for the rebellion. This didn't feel like a sacrifice to me. I understand, yes, that's the ultimate uh, interpretation of it. It felt kind of shoehorned to me. Well, yeah, and it's it's, it's funny that uh, it's almost that, you know, he 
obviously he had a kind of a failed marriage, I guess, of sorts. You know, obviously he had a, a kid with Leia and they grew up and Luke trained him and then they went south and they, for whatever reason, broke apart. And he's going back to what he does best, taking care of himself. Don't walk so close to Kylo, okay? You may want to just stand back a little bit. I'm seeing this as something that could totally happen, but I'd be laughing about it. It's like, oh, it's, it's funny. He's going to like, hey, hand me that lightsaber. And impaled. Ha 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 ha. Oh, wait, shit. It's really going to happen. Oh, fuck. Did that just happen? That just totally happened. The, the novelization expands on, on stuff I think is imperative to know for the film. The reason Han and Leia didn't work out is because Leia knew this was going to happen. She knew he was going to get seduced by the dark side, but she withheld that from Han, hoping that Luke would rectify that. And then when things went south, Han blamed Leia, like, you know, you let this happen. And that's why he took off and went back to smuggling. And the other thing that was really vital that is kind of glossed over in the film is that um, he kills Han hoping that he's not going to feel the tug of the light side and that the tug from the dark side is going to become more powerful and he's going to become more powerful. But what happens in that moment when he skewers him is he feels uh, a lot of remorse, a lot of regret for having done that. And he feels weakened in the force having done that. And that's actually an explanation about why Ray fucks him up so hard when they have their encounter, because he is literally weakened in his ability to use the force. To use a, a fighting video game scenario, he's down to like 10% on the health bar, and then you just spam your attack move. And of course, you know, kick him when he's down. Yeah, he took a bowcaster shot to the knee <laughs> and, and multiple laser lightsaber uh, hits to the face and the arm and, and all that. And that's something else that... Um, I really did like and, and admire that the, the lightsaber uh, choreography went back to kind of old school. I mean, more intricate than New Hope, but not so over the top and, and you know, in, in, you know, including crazy parkour shit and, and all that stuff from the prequels. It was just more straightforward. It's like, like fencing or something. Uh, a little more grounded, I guess. Empire and Jedi pretty much uh, combined where there, there's emotion going on with this too. The, the prequels were... How many lightsabers can we cram on a screen slashing droids or, or bug creatures? But it was pretty intense, you know, when they had the sabers crossed. And he's like, you know, I can see that you're strong and I can help you. You need a master. Let, let me mentor you. And she clears her mind. She takes that moment to focus. That's a pretty intense scene right there. And, and I think uh, it goes to show it's more than just all this crazy laser blast shit and sabers swinging around and everything. It's going to kind of serve a purpose. It's going to be a part of telling that story i don't know what i expected but with the cross guard lightsaber that kyle kylo ren has that more wasn't done with the with the, with the cross parts i mean yeah he's burning finn's shoulder or whatever uh that's about it i didn't know what i expected different lucky parroting what i've been saying for the last half hour um all this shit's explained but fucking outside of the movie and i'm sure you've even seen it at some point you know he has a cracked kyber crystal so it's about having to vent out that energy coming across the crystal, otherwise the saber is going to explode. So it's not necessarily um, an offensive use or even a defensive use with using the lightsaber. It's more a necessity because this saber couldn't exist unless you were venting out that additional energy. That's badass. That's really cool. I, I love that explanation. That's that's wonderful. And I did see that on a Facebook feed and I forgot that I had seen it. But yeah, that was my expectations going in. I am one of those guys that paid way too much to have a Kylo Ren lightsaber that force effects lights up and all that fun stuff but um i have no i have no regrets buying my kylo ren merchandise i know steve you're gonna say what if this movie comes out and he is the jar jar binks and it's like all right you got a point i don't know if this character is going to be cool or not or interesting or or whatnot and uh he did i mean when, after watching it the first time i was a little let down but I have to go back to Return of the Jedi. I was even more let down seeing Darth Vader take his mask off and he's this old man inside. Now, thematically, it makes perfect sense. And from a nostalgia standpoint, yeah, absolutely. But I remember being, you know, what, in eighth grade or something going, what, that? It doesn't matter what you, what's underneath the helmet, what's underneath the mask. It's never going to meet your expectations. Not even that you have any sort of expectations. What the fuck is going to be under that mask? A person or, you know, a, a shell of a person? You know, honestly, um, I don't really have my finger on the pulse of what's going on in Hollywood. And even though we talk about it a lot on the podcast, I don't get out to see a lot of films. And if I see a lot of films, it's way past their prime. So going into this, I had no fucking clue who Adam Driver was. But him taking the helmet off, it didn't bother me in the least. 
it wasn't shocking. I wasn't like, oh man, the, you know, it's, it's a Marvel movie where everybody has to show their, their face so their agents get paid. It didn't feel that way to me. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel derived. It, it felt it was part of the story. You know, the only two times he takes his helmet off, I think are times that he has to. Ray makes that comment about, you know, I'm, I'm not intimidated by some jerk off behind a mask. And he takes the mask off. He's like, well, now the mask's off. Now what the fuck do you have to say? And the second time was with Han. So I get it. I don't have a problem with that. And I also have to say, after probably my second, maybe my third time seeing the movie, I felt a pull to go to Toys R Us and, and pick up some Force Awakens merch. Um, I still haven't yet because I, I just haven't found what I'm looking for, something that's really caught my eye and I have to come home with it. But I am on the lookout. I, I do want to have some merchandise just to, for the sake of having it. I know this shit's never going to be worth anything in the long run, but I do want to rock out some merch in my man cave. Pop Funko figures are dangerous, man. <laughs> I got Phasma and Poe Dameron, and my lovely fiance is nodding in the background. Yes, they are dangerous. Where are you going to put all this shit? My God. Because I have like the 31 inch Kylo Ren, I have the lightsaber, uh, and now a couple of um, Pop Funko figures. There's still a couple more I want to get. Is that okay, baby? Yeah, all right, anyway. And shirts, BB-8. Uh, I got to say, BB-8, as iconic as R2-D2 and C-3PO is, BB-8, I fell in love with months before the movie with the little remote app-controlled BB-8 that's 150 bucks, and I got it, and I love it. Even if the movie sucked, I love what Sphero did with that technology. And he is sparingly used enough to be, you know, not annoying and, and everything. He, he's used to, like, the perfect balance. I mean, he's the very first thing you see in the movie at once, the, once the ship starts descending upon Jakku. Now, seriously, that, that's a pretty big point. Aren't you so happy BB-8 lived up to the hype? Yeah, because it's so rare. It is so rare. Hollywood will just gobsmack you with trailer upon trailer, giving away way too much. The marketing campaign on this was brilliant. It, did, it Even with 10 different TV spots in December leading up to the release, everything had just a little bit more footage, a little bit tease, but it wouldn't give you just straight out plot points. Uh, yeah, and... And again, just use sparingly. And thank God for 3PO not being all over the place. I mean, he shows up and he annoys the fuck out of Han Solo the way he always has. And like, okay, brilliant use. It's like, oh, I wonder how, I guess you couldn't tell because of the arm. Leading back to that lead-in uh, material, which I guess has been covered or, or will be by at least Marvel Comics. It's the first time I went into a Star Wars movie and found 3PO over-the-top annoying where I was happy he wasn't in the movie, you know, until that, <laughs> that part at the end. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how annoying he was, and I'm really grateful that I didn't have to endure an hour and a half of that. And BB-8, again, you know, just sprinkle it in there. You know, the thumbs up with the flame. Excellent. The the silly, you know, bouncing around the Falcon and then finally suspending himself in midair so he'll stop clunking and banging around. Wonderful stuff. And, of course, you know, Bill Hader and I forget the other guy that did the vocalizations for it. Of course, they're processed in the synthesizer and everything. But, yeah, he sounds great. I even have, like, text noises on my phone now because it's fucking BB-8. What an instantly endearing character. Just like you said Daisy Ridley, you know, um, Ray... Uh, has this confidence about her and uh, talent and wit and intellect and and humor and vulnerability that's instantly attractive. And it, yeah, she's a good-looking girl, but I mean, it, 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 it transcends far beyond anything, you know, sexual or anything like that. She's just a really, really well-thought-out character that appeals to, to everybody. And that kind of... I just reminded myself about how the marketing, it's like how we, how we don't have enough Ray toys and all that. And Hasbro's line, which is I can somewhat deal with to a point, is, well, she's spoilerific. We didn't want to spoil too much. That's why she's not in Monopoly until the fans bitched, and now she will be part of Monopoly. And, you know, there are Ray figures out there, but not... Uh, you know, you had a, a Target exclusive box set with everyone, even Finn's in there. But where's Ray? You know, it's like, well, what the fuck is up with that? But then I reminded myself, we're talking about Disney and, and we've talked at length about why Disney does this. They don't give two rat shirts because they make so much money off Princess Jasmine and Cinderella and, and everybody else, Rapunzel and all this frozen shit. They feel they've already got the girls market cornered. Um yeah, that, that's a huge misstep after seeing such a strong character and you still can't get behind that character. Uh, speaking of which, 
How did you feel about uh, Captain Phasma? Were you like totally let down that she was in all of two minutes of the film and may or may not still be alive? Yep, completely let down. And I kind of liken it to Boba Fett. You know, we only knew about Boba Fett in the, in the late 70s. You know, him appearing on the holiday special and then, you know, the, the, the mail-away figure that Hasbro had. And then, you know, he shows up in Empire. Oh, my God, he's so badass. Well, that's it? That's it? That's- Gwendolyn Christie has this great commanding presence and an awesome voice. And, of course, you know, a really iconic, instantly fearful, cool-looking armor and everything and is reduced to just basically a, a cameo horrifically underused the way that darth maul was but i mean darth maul at least got in a, a badass fight you know with the lightsaber i hope she comes back you know I, I hope it's not a one and done and you know i've seen it go both sides in social media and they're like well you know what do you expect she doesn't have to be in the whole movie and she served her purpose whatever um but the the more valid argument is she was part of all the press leading up to the film coming out she was doing all the junkets and at all the premieres. So that's where I feel ripped off. You, you really hyped her to be something. And you know, originally the role was written as a guy. And I think Disney was like, well, you know, everybody's complaining about not having these strong female characters. Let's put them in there. But yeah, just horrifically underused with the overuse of her, the hype with the buildup. The merch is there. And there's figures like, uh, what's his name? Constable Zuvio that was cut out of the film entirely. But for the sake of you know, prototypes and making action figures, you know, up to a year in advance. They went ahead and made his figure. It comes out. People are thinking, okay, we're going to see this great scene with this cool new character and nothing. His toy's there for what it's worth. And what is it worth? (laughs) And what is it worth? Exactly. Not a goddamn thing. But if you collect toys, play with them, goddammit, or put them on a shelf and and have fun getting the dust off them, as my fiance would be quick to say. Oh, another dust attractor. Yay. I don't know. I don't even know what more to say. If there's more to say. Your initial thoughts on the movie after seeing it one time was meh, which I thought was actually pretty good given that you you have you have a very critical eye for things. I mean, as much of a geek as you are, I think it's hard for you to, to, to come forward with a list of, of, a long list anyway, of Marvel movies that you truly, truly think are up there. I mean, I know you love Winter Soldier just like I do, but I don't know if you're hard pressed to to agree that, you know, there's a lot of the, the, of the geeky movies that meet expectations Ultron was okay for for what it was but then i saw ant-man and i i, I think everybody else kind of agrees too ant-man was meh. Um. yeah ant-man <laughs> is meh. i even think that and i like every fucking thing and i watched jurassic world and i thought okay it's good but it's not you know number one movie of the year good it's it's good it's you know it's cool it's got some cool 3d in it and everything it's nice chris pratt's cool blah blah blah, blah. i even saw the new fantastic four I, I knew what that was going in to, to watch that. Five minutes in, I was pretty much saying out loud, oh my God, this film is fucking horrible. And that feeling never stops <laughs> the rest of the film. I'm not even going to waste my time with that one. Uh, <laughs> I just know. I just know. I've seen some of these films multiple times. Uh, I've seen Ultron a few times. I've seen Ant-Man a couple times. Um, and, and they don't get any better. That's what I really loved about uh, seeing the Star Wars movie was it became more forgiving each time I watched it. And I don't think, you know, I'm making excuses for it. There were more things I just found endearing. It was easy to go in and make that knee-jerk reaction after such a long period of time of not having a good Star Wars movie. So I went in, and of course we're going to blow this shit up in our mind. This is the first Star Wars movie that has nothing to do with George Lucas. I don't think it could meet everybody's expectations. But still, you know, universally, it seems to be very, very beloved. And uh, after you know, my fourth viewing, I was like, okay, yeah, there, there is something here. There's a reason this movie's making that kind of money and making this kind of news. But it's Star Wars. Star Wars was never meant to be taken critically serious. It's not a, a film like The Matrix, where you have professors at universities writing dissertations about the significance of that in culture. It, it's Star Wars. It's, it's again, it's primarily for kids. So. But I imagine that filmmakers would think that that success in and of itself, if people are talking about it, whether they think it has long lasting uh, stamina or, or whatnot, if they're if they're espousing upon, you know, possibilities in, in, in a trilogy that's going to take, you know, seven or eight years to come out and. And whatnot. I mean, I would think that, you know, Abrams, Kasdan, you know, and then we got Ryan Johnson, who's writing and directing uh, episode eight. And he's writing number nine. Number nine is Kellen, uh, Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World. So you've got these big names attached. 
and everyone working for a cohesive universe it is exciting. Uh, where do you rank Force Awakens in all the episodes amongst them? Third. Third. Okay. So Star Wars, A New Hope, and then Empire? Yeah. And, you know, it has to go that way only because Empire wouldn't have the feeling I have for it without Star Wars. So I always have to say Star Wars, then Empire. And then, yes, before Jedi, absolutely, before Force Awakens. Believe it or not, Steve, I am totally, I totally agree with you 100%. A New Hope, Empire, Force Awakens, and then Jedi, and then Sith, Clones, Menace. I think it was a beautiful balance of of new and old. Uh, Sure, it's not perfect, but nothing ever ever is. I mean, I love I love Star Wars just like you my entire life. I could sit there and pick apart acting or plot points or or this, that and the other. And that's just what you do with things you love as well. And of course, yeah, it's 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 critic proof. Are you happy that more Star Wars is on the horizon? I uh, actually am. I mean, if you look at the uh, at the game plan, you could argue that it's overkill, just like, you know, the Marvel movies or the DC universe and whatnot. We're going to get all this fucking overkill of movies. I think just like James Bond or something else, you're going to have some that that are better than others. We're going to get, you know, they, they all can't be perfect. I, you know, maybe the Rogue One, maybe the anthology films won't be good, but uh, you gotta, I really like that it's a little taking an experimental eye and, and maybe try to do a different uh, genre take on it, something that fits within the universe. Rumors of Vader showing up in Rogue One will be uh, pretty awesome if that if that happens. And if not, same thing. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So I don't think you can have too much of a good thing in this regard. Yeah, there are absolutely exceptions to that rule you could just step back and just like saying oh you ruined my childhood no you know the ones you want go back and watch the things your childhood's not ruined transformers still exist in in its original animated form you don't have to sit there and continue to bitch about michael bay ruining your your childhood yeah it's a little harder to come by the original cuts of star wars but hey hopefully disney and their infinite wisdom and their and their money gold mine uh, we'll put out the original cuts. You know, maybe George Lucas will just renege and just go, okay, fine, we'll put them out there. Right now, I don't even know if it's a Lucas issue. Um, I think 20th Century Fox still has the rights to that cut. But hey, if Sony can play nice with them, why the fuck not, right? Anything is possible. Keep a film like that alive and uh, still in first run, you know, a month later. That's hard enough to pull off as a, as a cinematic release. It's Star Wars. You could do it with Harry Potter. You could do it with Hunger Games. You could do it with any um, big franchise. You know, it's pretty crazy because April for a, a Blu-ray release. I don't know if you know this. I'll drop some trivia on everybody. The original Star Wars theatrically ran for over 500 days. Damn! Considering that back then, theaters were like one or two screens. You know, now they're multiplexes. In both Avatar and Titanic, which still have the top of the worldwide chart with uh, the force awakens coming in third they ran for almost a year so it, it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround for the force awakens to be out on home video compared to the ones that are holding the current top two spots for the worldwide uh intake so now you have december 2017 it was pushed back for episode eight now it's coming in december and avatar 2 is getting pushed back I don't know if the, if that's Cameron going, uh, no fucking way am I going up against Star Wars, or is he legitimately just behind on production? I don't know what that is. I think it'd be pretty cool to have them both come out at the same time. That's just me. Yeah, it's premiere night. You have tickets for both. Which one are you going to? No, nah, man, Star Wars. <laughs> I'm loyal to that. But do you feel a need for a Han Solo or a Boba Fett anthology film? No, I don't feel the need for it. I I feel like it's an opportunity to present something interesting, but not necessary. Kind of like how I feel about the prequels. It's like, yeah, the opportunity was there to present something interesting. Yeah, it would be cool to see the Clone Wars. But you know what? After you see it, you're like, oh, shit, it was so much bigger in my mind. (laughs) Nothing will ever, you know, come to that. It's like, okay, at what point did Han Solo first meet Chewie and what sort of you know, dynamic did they have and everything? It's like, yeah, you could explore that. But once it's there, then it's canon. And then... No matter what happens, chances are it's not going to meet up to your expectations. We just can't win going forward. So, I, you know, like you said, you got to pick and choose. I have to look at it like uh, the X-Files television series. 
I liked the mythology episodes. I wasn't too keen on some of the Monster of the Week episodes. And uh, that's how I have to look at Star Wars, you know. If you're going to give me more of the mythology, more of that ongoing saga, I'll check that shit out. Some of the side stuff, it's a little sketchy. You got me. You're probably still going to get me for the price of at least one ticket. So then I can make fun of it later. I, I just don't, I don't see the need for it. Our money, we're going to be throwing it at the screen or throwing it at Best Buy or whatever and, and having it because we're completist and that's what nerds do. Well, except the third Matrix movie. I still don't own that. You never bought like the box set just to have everything like Animatrix and everything in one set? Bought them separately. And I've got Animatrix. I got the first two Matrix. I even have the fucking PlayStation game that was a wretched mess. But I will not buy the third film. I still give thumbs up to Battlefront if anyone's out there playing Star Wars Battlefront. I think it's a, a damn fun game. So, Steve, go ahead and get a PS4, will you? I don't even get to play my PS3. <laughs> I have kids. <laughs> you have kids. That's a funny thing. Uh, the grown-up doesn't have time to play video games because he has kids to raise. What? I'd rather be playing the video games. They're a little easier. <laughs> Indoctrinating them to geek culture. It's like, here, kids, watch Clone Wars. Watch Rebels. Oh, yeah. No, there's that. And uh, I recently bought my oldest um, Transformers Devastation. I, I saw really good reviews online about it, so... I, Pick that up for him, and he's having a blast playing that. And I want to play God of War, and I can't do that in front of my kids, you know? <laughs> I'm not that kind of parent. <laughs> okay, I guess we should pull a plug on this. It's pretty cool. We see we see eye to eye on this, Steve. How rare is that? I think it, it's a first. I think that has never happened where those planets and all the stars have aligned, and we've been in agreement. But it's a good feeling. It, it, it's a good kind of note to go out on. Thank you, everyone around the world for checking out the Big Ball broadcast. We really, really appreciate it. And, you know, the future is not written yet. We may decide to come back and do more reviews-oriented podcasts around the upcoming Marvel stuff or the upcoming, you know, genre films or, you know, because we're such huge Star Wars geeks, we'll probably want to tackle Rogue One in December. And who knows? Who knows? But um, we'll keep the Twitter alive, at BB Broadcast. Keep the feedback coming. Uh, thanks again to Kevin Smith, Will Wilkins, and everyone at Smodcast.com for giving us the opportunity to reach a worldwide audience. Steve, thank you for your endless dedication in helping provide links and stories uh, so that we had content in all this time. I'm pretty happy to hang my cap on this as the swan song episode of the Big Ball Broadcast for now. Someone's going to have to go and edit the Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Not me. Not it. Until maybe next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya. Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast. And email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. Bye.